Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, two tools. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? The number is 291-6901. And you use Baton Rouge area code 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing folks all around the country, all around town. Even all, all around the world. There you go. If you want to get up at the right time, <laughs> get that done. We sure get emails from all around the world. Boy, we do. I had a couple this week from the Philippines, one from Australia, one from Italy. That is wonderful. Mm-hmm. In fact, a gentleman in Italy emails every once in a while. Yeah. He and his friends listen to the show over there, and they're trying to get a gas gauge working on some type of vehicle. And gotcha. Wanted a couple of tips how to test for. I think it's just about got it figured out from the last email. <laughs> Some of those can be a bear. There you go. I was glad to help, man. So, hey, I see we got our phone lines lit up already. Good morning, Mike. What can we do for you? Yeah, hi. Good morning. <laughs> yes, Good sir. morning. Hi, gentlemen. Listen, I, I got to tell you, I've listened to every single one of your podcasts I can find on the interweb five times over. And I oh, well, thank well, you. Thank you. <laughs> I have as many general questions as you'd like to answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have uh, four cars in my family, older cars, between 9 and 15 years old. I'm trying to keep it running as long as possible, and you guys are helping me do that. Okay, sir. Um, some general questions. One of them, I have some black. I, I changed the uh, radiator and some hoses. I did a nice flush and everything. Mm-hmm. And I continue to get a little black, I guess, dirt in the overflow tank. It, I, it looks more like, doesn't look like a dirt, more like some type of a black. Um, like a granule sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm and sure there's probably I, some scale or rust from inside the engine block. You know, th- there's no way, Mike, to get every bit of that out, regardless how much you flush it, just because of the design of the engine, where the hoses are going in through the water pump is down the engine block, and a lot of it's up in the heads or real low in the block where you really don't get flow. You know, most people think that water flows completely through an engine, and it really doesn't on most engines. In fact, on some engines, it doesn't flow at all. It only flows through the head and just thermally rises and falls in the block. So the only way to really get all of that out would be to, like, remove the engine, take the core plugs out, and get in there with, like, a pressure washer and wash it. But I think you're doing the right thing in that you've cleaned it up. Some of it is just not going to really hurt. You may have to be satisfied with that unless you want to just keep doing it until it gets less and less and less. Alternatively, they do make some cooling system filters that are relatively inexpensive. I think you cut the upper radiator hose and it fits in line i know you've installed some brian they come in several variations some of them are clear so you can see the the coolant flowing through it some of them have a brass sleeve but they both have a series of filters screens that the coolant flows through and we use them mainly for vintage cars that sit a lot the blocks will start to to produce a little scale this filter will catch it before it plugs the radiator up but it's one more maintenance item you have to address right because once it blocks up solid the vehicle's going to start overheating, and if you leave it too long, the pressure is going to push the screen out, and it's not going to do any good at all. Right, so it's, it's not something you just do and forget. It's right. something you have to maintain. But that might be an option for you. Yeah, very good. I was actually thinking something just like that. I've been mm-hmm. looking on the Internet, and there's a couple of options out there, so thank you for that. Real quick, also regarding like a filter and for preventative maintenance, do you guys, I've never heard you speak about preventive, other than cleaning and, and stuff for an AC system, is there some kind of a inline filter or something you can do to actually preventative maintenance to make an AC system last as long as possible? There really isn't per se, Mike, other than cleaning the condenser, keeping that clean, making sure you keep a good tight belt on the compressor. The AC system is pretty much sealed. 
and it's almost sterile when it comes from the factory. Nothing's going to get in, nothing's going to get out. So really, as long as you keep the things on the outside that attack the system in check, then you're really not going to have a lot of problems. I've seen AC systems last 25 years or more. The problem is, I know folks who advocate going in, removing the filter dryer, replacing it preventatively, and so on. But in the field, no matter how good your equipment, you really can't do quite as effective a job as they did at the factory. So the longer you can keep the system sealed and not opened, the better you're going to be. Sort of like, remember the old refrigerators you used to buy 30, 40 years ago and they last? Got tired of looking at them. Yeah, you got tired of looking at them before they ever went out. Yeah. Because it was sealed and they were sitting there running and, and so on. That's how it likes to operate. So the less you can go into it, the better. And again, the two biggest things, or I guess three biggest things that'll kill an AC system. Number one is the condenser getting dirty so it doesn't get good flow. Number two is either one of the cooling fans failing or not if it's a fan clutch, the clutch getting weak. And, of course, uh, those sorts of things, the belt getting loose and slipping on the compressor, those are the kind of things that are going to cause an AC problem. If all of those are kept in check, the rest of the system is going to pretty much last and last. Very good. Good information. Guys, can I just throw out two other quick things? Sure, go ahead. Thank you. I have an F-150 that has, you know, the overflow tank or whatever with the cap. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, and I was thinking, Brian had mentioned something before about how air in the coolant system really packs it and corrodes the internals. Mm-hmm. Would it be better, in your opinion, instead of a complete flush in every two years, to actually just change the fluid in the overflow tank, let's say every six months or whatever the equivalent would be, so you never have to introduce air into the system? You're yeah, just that's flushing the, a quarter at a time. Yeah, that particular system is going to self-bleed mm-hmm. because the, the pressure tank has flow through it all the time. That's different from the old reservoir systems they used to use. It's called a surge tank system. Those will self-bleed because they flow constantly, and the air is going to be pushed into that tank, and it's going to go out from there. So you don't have too much of a problem with air remaining in that type of a system. It's a pretty decent system. But to get back to your concept, that would certainly be another way to do it. You just have to remember to do it pretty frequently and just change it a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. Eventually, you're going to get it all changed or the majority of it changed. It just would depend on your preference for doing maintenance. You know, that, that is a different way you could do it. Okay, good, good. And then one more thing, guys. Where would I find? I found every podcast that I can find on Stitcher. And I don't have Apple, so I can't go on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And I found like maybe two or three years of podcasts. Is there any other place that I can find like five years or ten years? Or Well, we didn't record the show before 2009. That's when we started recording. I mean, we've been doing the show, Guy, for 25 years. Right. But unfortunately, no one saw fit to record it up until about 2009. Those you will hear because when I go on vacation or whatever, we use those as field shows. So they do get filtered in. You know, we, we rebroadcast them as encore presentations. But beyond that, that's all that we put because of bandwidth limitations and all. That's all we put out there. All right, guys, keep up the good work. Keep us uh, out here in Radio Lane informed and saving money. Thank oh, you, you bet. Right. Mike, where are you calling from? Florida. Oh, great, oh, great, great. Well, thanks for calling, man. You got it. Take uh, care. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And if he can call away from Fort Lauderdale, you can call from Baton Rouge. That's it. <laughs> you got no excuse now. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, guys. You're looking bad here. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You know, he mentioned about fluids and stuff. And uh-huh. we talked a bit about fluids last, last couple of weeks. And one 
point we never did get to make, and that is talking just a little bit about brake fluid. Right. Brake fluid is a hydroscopic type fluid, mm-hmm. and being that it is, it attracts moisture. So the best thing you need to do is at least keep the cap on the reservoir. Mm-hmm. Fill you want it, to open it as little, on, little as possible. Right. right. You don't want to let too much air get in it. And with air, you get moisture. Right. And Particularly in South Louisiana. Right. There's no way to filter that fluid to get the moisture out the best thing you can do is a drain and refill right. and rebleed that's correct you'll have to purge the fluid out of the system every so often now there are two types of fluid in wide general use and three as we're going to get into in a minute but right dot three and dot four dot being department of transportation who regulates that dot three has a lower alcohol content than dot four although they are both compatible one with another if correct. you added dot three to a dot four system you would lower the initial boil point slightly, but you wouldn't hurt anything. The two right. will mix. They will mix. You can add four to a three, right. but you're not supposed to add three to right. a four. Because well, you lower your initial you boil point. Because you lower point. the boil point. And because three, excuse me, four has more alcohol, the initial boil point is higher than it would be with three. Correct. However, it's also going to contaminate faster, so the eventual boil point will be lower. Right. Because it becomes contaminated more. More alcohol, faster. the faster it, you know, the higher the boil point initially, but the faster it's going to contaminate. And that's why most cars that come equipped with DOT4, which is mostly mostly the European, European cars, right. few Jap cars, recommend flushing the systems out more frequently than they Didn't. do on the DOT3 systems. Now, there's also a new fluid out called 5.1 which right. is sort of misleading. 5.1 is supposed to supersede 3, three and 4, right. and it's it, supposed to be compatible with both. The problem is there's also a fluid called 5.0, or, five, or just dot five, five. Dot 5, correct, which is a silicone-braced fluid. Right, and it, it's not compatible with anything. Not compatible with anything. So I think that I would rather have seen them go to 4.5. Or 6.0, or six, yeah. right, instead of 5.1. That's, that's real misleading. It is because... A silicone fluid, if you put it into a system with ABS, you're going to have big problems. You're going to end up losing your brakes because it can... Right. It will aerate faster. It, that's correct. Than a three and a four. Well, we got to take a quick little break. Fred and Greg, you hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at Agco Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan. Got Mr. Brian Terry right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going to go to our phone lines with Fred. Good morning, Fred. Hey, good morning to you. Yes, sir. Good morning. Got a question for you. Bet, right? I got a 2006 GMC Envoy, uh-huh. and my daughter's driving it, and she noticed pulled up to a traffic light, and the oil pressure went from normal to zero, okay. and she's at a stop, 
after to go ahead and, you know, just barely rev the engine a little bit mm-hmm. while it's like that, and mm-hmm. it will come up. Okay. She says, you know, she keeps an eye on the gauges, and she said she had, had never seen, seen that do that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering. Now, under driving, it's back to normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. First off, of course, check the oil level. Make sure it's got oil in it. Yeah. She said it's good. It's good yeah. there. That has a pretty complicated oil pressure setup, and... If I'm not mistaken, Fred, again, I'm kind of taxing my brain because I look at so many different cars, but I think that one maybe even has two cylinder units on it, and I might be misleading you there, but I know it's got a very, very complicated setup, and I have seen them go to zero, and it's weird because I think the way it works, if you unplug one of the cylinders, it'll read halfway, and then if the other one goes, it reads zero. It's, It's really strange. It's not reading actual accurate pressure the way you would think about it. It's the way, okay. the way they used to. Yeah, the way they used to. It's inputting to the computer, and the computer is simulating gauge movement, uh, which I can't understand why in the world they would even go to something like that. It seems ridiculous to me, but I know, <laughs> yeah, I know we have run across that where they would come in with an all-pressure sender leaking, replace the sender unit with a new one, and all of a sudden the all-pressure goes to zero. Yeah. It won't read. And I'm just kind of taxing my brain now because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I know there is a problem with that happening. Okay. And I would have to go to service data and look it up and see the way that thing works. But I know it's a fairly complex setup. You might go on the internet and just kind of type in all pressure gauge and the engine. I'm sure there's probably some information yeah. out there on it. But okay. I know there's, for some reason, it sticks in mind there's two cylinder units. And they get like a conflict between them and it'll start sending that gauge to zero when it shouldn't. The actual thing you would need to do first is probably have someone screw a mechanical gauge into the engine, let it idle, and just make sure you do have all pressure. You know, okay. if you do have all pressure, then you go after fixing the problem with the sending units and all that. Because if you technically are going to zero at idle, which could happen, then, of course, nothing else you're going to do is going to help. Okay. And that's what I was wondering also is playing the odds on something like this, short-term versus long-term. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that there is really nothing? You're just not getting a reading when you pull up to a stop. I've had that happen before Yes, on other vehicles. Uh-huh. And... You know, it's, you just get squirrely, and at some point, it's the oil sending unit. Right. I think um, the odds are fairly decent. That is the problem. But, of course, the downside is such that I don't know that you can even take a very small, you know, if, let's say the odds yeah. were 50-50, and nothing really too much was going to happen. If you were wrong, you could kind of take that and say, well, I'll go with the odds. But if the odds are 50-50 and the 50% on the opposite side is losing an engine. Right. Right. Yeah, I'd probably get that addressed pretty quick. At least verify at least know, it. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you know what it is, you know you do have oil pressure all the time, and then you want to wait to address it. That's kind of a different issue. Right. Right, and that's what I want to kind of judge on it, because mm-hmm. uh, with everything else going on, the floods and stuff. I'm yeah, and you know, I think that with that being a variable cam timing engine, if it were going to zero, you would probably throw and check engine lights right and left, yeah. because that cam time is going to get off real fast if the oil pressure drops. So... Okay. You know, most likely it's not. However, like I said, downside is such that I don't know if you can really afford to take too much of a risk with it. Yeah, because we had had a similar engine, a Trailblazer, mm-hmm. and yep. it started throwing all kind of nonsense and was getting ready to be a $1,200 repair. Right. And then I found something that said, hey, change the oil mm-hmm. because, you know, the, which sounded completely weird. Yeah, but no. It I, is. But I actually <laughs> went ahead and did that and it uh-huh. fixed everything. We do that so a lot. you kidding me. No, yeah. we do that a lot on that engine, and also a lot of the Hondas will throw a code when the oil gets the least bit dirty. And, of course, with these manufacturers telling you it's okay to go seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 miles, which I think is ridiculous, we're seeing a lot of that kind of stuff these days. 
Well, that's good. And look, I thought you had disappeared from the airways, and I was real glad I was talking to somebody. <laughs> they were listening to you, and I said, "Wait a minute, yeah, yeah, where?" You know, <laughs> and I got back to, found you again. So yeah, we switched on the <laughs> Yeah, long time listener, and glad that we found you again. Well, great, great, spread the word. Okay, look, thank you, sir. Thanks Hi, Fred. Welcome. Thanks for calling me. Bye, bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automobile, we'd love to have you. And we've got Greg on the line. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Don't have a vehicle issue this morning, but I did want to pass along info to the caller or anyone else. Caller two callers ago mentioned that he wasn't able to do iTunes because he didn't didn't have an Apple product. Uh huh. You don't have to have an Apple product to okay. use iTunes on your desktop mm-hmm. or your laptop. You can put that on there. I don't have Apple either, mm-hmm. but I have iTunes on the both laptop and my PC desktop. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, I download your podcast okay. and others Great. that way. So just, you know, yeah, it, it, he might be able to find more. It's probably a little easier if you got an Apple product, but yeah, I think PC will bring it up for it, sure. This is easy. It, mm-hmm. It's just, the, it's the same thing. You're just it's uh, a routine a that, that runs it through vehicle, a different operating uh, system. Yeah. So anyway, okay. I just want well, to good. pass that along. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Greg. Thank, thank you. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we love to have you. We always appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us and giving us a call and telling us what you think. Yeah, there you go. Any kind of questions you might have. Well, right now is the perfect time to get a live answer. That's too. right. Actually, the only time to get the a only live time answer. to get a live answer. <laughs> I have folks who call at the shop a lot of times, and of course, the ladies who answer the phone are going to screen right. the calls because I just can't come to the phone and answer calls. Because it takes 100% of my time just to address the cars that we've got there in process and you guys getting the sure. parts and the questions and all the things plus running a business. You just don't have time to take calls during the week. So, And that's why we're sitting here today. That's absolutely right. We appreciate your calls on Saturday morning. You can get a live answer. If not, you can send me an email. I'll sure. get an answer back to you that way. So we got sure. two ways that you can get an answer. So it's not that we don't give answers out. It's just that you got to do it. Got to do it way. the right way. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to do it the right way. That's it. We will not get through. I go back to our phone lines. Jerry, good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Yes, good sir. morning. Uh, I actually called y'all a couple of weeks ago, actually maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. I'm having an issue. I got an F-250 gas 2008 that when I go to fill up my tank, I'm only being able to to put in mm-hmm. a gallon or less Right, keeps cutting off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? And y'all had said something about the... I want to say the evaporation Evaporative system. emission system, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, today's the day I'm I'm uh, trying to address it. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of hoping if you could kind of tell me where I got to look well, to the, find that, that the filter most, you were talking about. Well, it's not a filter. It's a charcoal canister, and that's not necessarily the problem. That's just where you would kind of start looking. Right. It'll be a right. big plastic, square plastic tank-looking thing. And on the bottom of it, there'll be an opening with like a filter of sorts in it. And it's full of charcoal. And if you have a known good one there, you can weigh them side by side. And the bad one will generally be a lot heavier because it'll be all full of gas. That's one thing. Now, another thing you could do is you can try just disconnecting the line on top of that and go and fill it. It's going to throw a check engine light when you do that. But if you do that and you're able to fill it, then you can assume that likely that canister is plugged up. Now, unfortunately, there is two solenoids one is going to be a vent solenoid one is going to be a purge solenoid and those are a lot more difficult to test without some sort of test equipment or something but a lot of times the charcoal canister itself is plugged up now if you pull any of the lines off 
and shake them, and any charcoal comes out of any of the lines, then that okay. right. it's definitely counts as ruptured because nothing should ever get out of it. It's a sealed unit. And now, if that does happen, you have to clean all the lines purge out. Purge all the lines. Because if you okay. don't, that stuff is going to get back into the vents and the purge valve. Right. And it's going right. to cause you more trouble down the yeah, road. Yeah, you generally have a bad valve when that mm-hmm. happens because it's the vacuum draws it through the system and the charcoal plugs all your... We get people all the time who get a bad vent valve and they'll change it only for it to go bad again in about two weeks. And what it is, the canister's ruptured and it's drawing charcoal into the new valves. And so we, we, we see that quite a bit where they keep changing the valves and not they don't know why it keeps going bad. All right, so starting with the charcoal filter uh, uh-huh, canister. canister would be the way to start. That's where you now start. You said if I, take, if I take the line off, the check engine light's going to come on. It will. Yes. If I put the line back on, will the check engine no, light No, you'll off? have to have the code cleared. Okay. Now, it, may, it will eventually go off. Yeah, but it, it, won't, it won't go off immediately. It has to run. Yeah, it has to run so many cycles. It'll run so many key cycles, so many tests, and if it gets enough past tests, it may then turn the light turn back off. off. Worst case, you just have the code cleared. Okay. All right. Work. Okay, All man. Right. All right, Jerry. Thanks, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. We are talking just a bit about the different brake fluids and right. stuff. And I think we left off talking about 5.1, which is a new, and now this is a synthetic brake fluid. Correct. Not to be confused with, with a silicone brake fluid. Correct. And see, again, you've got one called 5, one called 5.1. Which are not compatible with each not other. Not compatible at, at all. all. One's synthetic and one is silicone. Very, very open very to misinterpretation yes. there. Silicone is a totally different type of fluid. It's not alcohol-based. It right. is not compatible with modern cars and anti-lock brakes. The only real application for that is on an older car, like a vintage car, Classic. that maybe sits up a lot. Right. The advantage to silicone fluid is that it does not absorb moisture. So the system is going to stay dry for a much, much longer period of time. Well, and not only that, but it doesn't... It doesn't attack paint. attack paint. The way that the other that fluids will. will. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's great. I'm going to put that in my car. Well, it's not quite that simple no. again, because to convert you have to, from silicone to synthetic, from, from regular silica- fluid to silicone, silicone, you have to rebuild the entire system. Every rubber component in the system has to be changed. That's right. You can't just dump it in there. Right. It, it just doesn't work that way. And now when you go to 5.1, which most of the quality brake fluid you find today is going to be 5.1. And, you know, I was in a auto parts place the other night, and I did not see any 5.1 at all. Really? Three, four, and very... They had two bottles of dot five, dot five, yeah, but no five point one. Hmm, that's strange because I know what, five what we one buy, is supposed to be the new. Yeah, well, we this new standard. What standard. we buy is just about all five dot ones with a ship up. Yes. Now another thing, because the silicone brake fluid is a completely different product, it generally has a purple tint to a it, different color. The other three are all going to be amber colored. They're going to either be clear mm-hmm. or amber. Uh, amber color. Depending on the manufacturer and the process they use to put it all together. Yeah, with. how much dye they decide to right. add to it. We've gotten it. Sometimes it's crystal clear. It looks like drinking water. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's so amber colored, it almost looks dirty. Yeah. and So there's a big variation there. That's why it gets confused with power steering fluid so It much, does. Because and it's clear. That is also, I've seen people look at their brake master cylinder and say, my fluid is dirty. It's contaminated. It's dark. Uh-huh. And that is not an accurate indication of no, fluid not. quality because some fluid just naturally gets dark a lot faster. And Other fluid will, does not get dark, even though it may be completely contaminated. Right. The, the brake fluid in the reservoir gets real dirty, and we'll go over that when we get back from our next break. Yeah. I've seen fluid be 
clear as drinking water and still be contaminated. Yep. And then I've seen other fluid. You change it, and two weeks later, it's Looks, dark again. <laughs> yep. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break. Be right back with more. Phew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, all right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Let's go give us a call. It's 291 6901. And we were talking about fluids, in particular brake fluid. Of course, right. anything you may have a question on, you give us a call. We're not ever limited to the topic oh, we no. happen to be discussing. Not on. Not, Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you were talking about brake fluid color, and a lot of times that translucent reservoir will get a stain on the inside of it that you maybe can't see from the outside because it's not clear like a piece of glass. Uh-huh. It's translucent. It's sort of white, but you can see through it. And it'll get a stain on the inside. If you look down into the reservoir, the fluid may look very dark. Right. With the cat, you can look through the reservoir, and you can see the level. Mm-hmm. It's a different shade of white. And then when you take the cap off, you can look down and see the fluid. Mm-hmm. But you're looking into that stain, so That's a correct. clear fluid is going to look very dark. Well, I've, I, I've noticed you get out to the wheels, and it's a dark amber color. Right. Instead of at the reservoir, it almost looks black. Right. I've had a gentleman come in, and he had had his brakes purged out, a brake service done elsewhere. And he says, I don't think they did it because the fluid is still dark. Uh-huh. And we looked at it, and it did look very dark. But we drew a little bit out with a syringe, right. and it was clear. it was clear. And I said, no, no, it's just got a stain. Well, why didn't they clean it out? I said, because there's no way to clean that out. You got a little small opening at the top in a great big reservoir. And the reason they make that opening small is to try to limit the amount of stuff that gets in. Correct. If you take it off, you can add fluid. Whereas the old reservoirs, you took the cap off, the whole top of the reservoir was open. Well, more sure. moisture gets into the fluid when you do that also. Or you, you stand a bigger chance of trash dropping in it mm-hmm. because the opening is so big. That's right. But on the downfall, you can actually get in there and you can clean the bottom of that reservoir right, out. Right, which you cannot do with the newer ones. It is cast iron. You're not looking no, through the side of it. You have to take the top off on the old ones to physically check sure. the fluid, which was a kind of a bad design to start with because it constantly introduced more moisture into your fluids. Yep. So the thing is, about every two to three years, normally along with your brake services, because most people average driving are going to put between 15,000 and 20,000 a year on their car, and brakes generally going to last forty five to 50,000 miles. Right. So probably every three years, if you're getting a proper brake service, they're going to purge that fluid out anyway. Now, if you happen to be one of these folks who drives a lot of highway miles or doesn't drive very much to where you don't wear your brakes out, right? then every three years you need to go in and have, have that system. Out. Yeah, go ahead and purge the system out because that alcohol will absorb moisture just sitting there, sure. even not being used. It'll absorb sure. moisture. The moisture will start to attack the components 
And this is such a problem, especially on the ABS cars, because you have some very expensive components in there. Right. When you just had a couple of calipers and a couple of wheel cylinders, it was bad enough. It wasn't that big a deal right. to, you, to change those pieces out. Throw a $2,000 ABS modulator valve in there, and you, now you've got steel valve, aluminum housing, and a corrosive liquid. Well, and, and not only that, but you've got a, a reprogramming. You've got right. to reprogram that module. You've got to try to bleed that module. Right. Some of those modules, you have to have a scan tool right. to operate it to bleed it out. So it's going to be an expensive proposition if that gets corroded up. Yes, so it will. You go ahead and have the fluid replaced just to avoid that type of problem. Sure. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. Is it Egan? Egan. Yes, so. Good morning, Egan. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's Egan with a K. Uh, I got a 2011 Mazda 3 little work car. I mm-hmm. drive it a lot. Air conditioner, condenser clutch. Mm-hmm. Or compressor, I mean. Yes, sir. Um, mm-hmm. It's squeaking just a bit when I when I start the car. It's like a, a steady. It's not really noticeable, but it's just a little high pe- high frequency squeak. Okay. You think that needs to be changed out? Well, most likely it's going to be the belt, not the clutch, because the clutch generally is not going to squeak. It's just going to go out. But the belt, yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty hard, Keegan, to judge the condition of some of the newer belts because they use a EPDM rubber, and it's not going to crack like the old belts did. In other words, it may have no cracks in it whatsoever. It may look just fine. It may be worn completely out. They do make a couple of different gauges that you can check that belt, or alternatively, if it's more than about six or seven years old or has a lot of miles on it, belts just aren't that expensive. I would definitely replace the belt just as a preventive measure because if that belt slips it's gonna generate heat and you could end up burning up the ac compressor for no reason yeah and you still got to put a belt on it so right yeah i'm real big on changing belts because they're cheap and they're easy to change the 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 first thing you need is verify that that is what it is Mm -hmm. you can take the belt off the vehicle crank it up just momentarily if the noise is gone then you can assume it's something in the belt area. Right, something belt-driven. Right. If it doesn't go away, then you can forget about right. the belt-driven accessories because and figure out what's still turning Yeah, because it can make a some noise. Some things will squeak like a belt. Right. Uh, like the camshaft synchronizer will make a sound exactly like a belt. Sure. People get fooled all the time. They change belts, still have the same noise. But like Brian said, just temporarily take the belt off, crank it up, and if noise is gone, then you're pretty sure that's it. Now, I'm not sure if that engine has a manual adjustment on that belt or if it has an auto adjust tensioner auto tensioner but if it does i would suggest changing the tensioner yeah, if, you, if you've gotten more than a hundred thousand miles keegan the life cycle on a tensioner on auto tensioner is about a hundred thousand miles because okay. they go through a billion cycles in a hundred thousand miles so they're going to be worn out even right. though they look okay and those again are fairly cheap and they're fairly easy to replace and that solves a ton of problems we, we change a lot of belt tensioners and solve yeah. big problems Okay, but yeah, about 80,000 miles, the belt's about six years old. I'd say I'd just go ahead and change that tensor. I would, I would. I would, because, you I mean. Got it all, you got the belt off. Yeah, you got it off anyway. And, I mean, the alternative is let it go and eat, end up burning up AC compressor. Now you got a $1,000, $1,200 job instead of a $200 job. Now, one little tech tip here. Take a marker and a piece of paper and draw out the way that belt has run through those pulleys. Before you take it off. I yeah. don't care how good you are when you take that belt off. When you go to put it back on, you will forget how it's routed. Well, and you'll figure out pretty fast. There's probably it's, about 20 different ways it'll go. Yeah. <laughs> and only one that'll work. And only one works. I've been through that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have. And uh, y'all just fixed my uh, botched timing belt job on a Honda Pilot not too long ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember okay. that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Man, You're I, that just, I uh, made a mistake installing that tension. Mm-hmm. Fully through the timing belt. You know, one little mistake made the whole damn thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It yeah. messes it, it up. Yeah. 
go out of line. But anyway, thanks, guys. All right, Keegan. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Alright, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. You want to be part of the automotive hour? You know, I've I've seen those belts put on backwards or mm-hmm. it turns the water pump the other way and a vehicle will overheat after a belt change. Right. Belt go on some of them in the wrong direction. Right. Instead and, of wrapping around the pulley, you drive it off the back side of the pulley so it turns the pump in the opposite direction. Right. And, and it, it won't it won't yeah, it, it's pump still, right and it overheats. Well, it's pumping the water the wrong way. Right. If it's pumping <laughs> and, and, and because the impellers are cut in one direction, it's stirring the water up. It's not really pumping it properly. Yeah, and one of the first things you'll notice the heater quits working a lot of times right. on, on a lot of vehicles. The heater will quit working, and the car starts to overheat. And you'll check, and the belt's on water pump is turning backwards because the belt was on backwards. Yeah, and I've also seen, particularly on some Nissan products, they use a steel pulley. I mean, a steel impeller rather than a cast iron impeller. And I have seen that steel impeller completely corrode away. Right. Until it's just nothing, it's nothing left to it. nothing but a flat it. plate instead of a plate with fins on it. Right. And, and it's, it's turning away, but it's just not. It stirs the water up and it makes it move, but it's not moving it in the velocity it should. Right. And it may even do okay, like at an idle or maybe at low speed or low load, because you're getting a little thermal circulation in there and it may stay in, stay up with you. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you start loading the engine, it starts overheating. Yeah. And the water pump is bad. I had a gentleman who came in once. And he had changed the thermostat. He had changed the radiator. In fact, I think he had torn it down and changed the head gasket Wow! on this vehicle. And he was still overheating and could not imagine what it could be. And we ended up checking, and the water pump was bad. We changed the water pump and fixed the problem. Took the back off that one and mm-hmm. opened it up and looked at right. it. It was, it was nothing but a flat plate. Yeah. All the impellers had been rotted off. Just rotted away. Yep. <laughs> it happens. Let's go back to the phone line. Percy, good morning, Percy. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I was changed my oil last week, and I had a thought. I have a 07 Saturn mm-hmm. and a uh, 2006 uh, Nissan Murano. Mm-hmm. Very easy to change the oil, get to the oil filter. But as the years go on and I need to upgrade vehicles, do you guys see in these later model, later model vehicles that it's tougher to get to the oil uh, oil filters oh, and yeah. do like just routine maintenance? Some of them are. Some of them are inordinately difficult, and it would be hard to know that without either asking someone or getting the car up on a lift and just looking at it physically but yeah some of them you have to remove components to get to the oil filter some of them the oil filter just in a really really awkward spot i know that four two and a trailblazer is Uh kind of difficult to get to because you got to drop a shield out the way and then you got to reach your arm up in there about elbow deep to get to the filter Mm-hmm. Wow. Most some of the Toyotas, some of the Toyotas have a big shield under there that you have to remove. Toyota pickup trucks mm-hmm. have a big rock guard in the front that has should come off. Now, I've, I have heard people reaching in from the top and, and taking it off, and the oil runs everywhere. Oh, they make a mess with it, mm-hmm. but they don't take the yeah. shield off. I know at Echo, we take the shields right. off. And I've seen people correctly. take two bolts out and bend the shield yeah. down, which yeah, I, I don't, really, really I don't, don't like that. I hate that. You end up, the shield's all warped and it ends up cracking from being bent too much. But most of your Honda products are easy to get to the oil filters mm-hmm. on. Uh, they're, yeah. Especially your new ones. They're right there with the drain plug. Yeah, most of the GMV8s are pretty easy as well. Yeah. It's generally um, right there on the side of the engine block. Beans, the, the four-wheel drives are a little more difficult mm-hmm. because the, the, filters, the filter's turned and it's sitting over the top of the front differential. It's still okay. still get to it, but it's not as easy as a two-wheel drive vehicle. It just depends on the application of the engine in the vehicle. Yeah, what you might do, Percy, is when you start considering a vehicle, just shoot me an email, and I can look up that particular vehicle for you and let you know how hard it is. Okay. Well, I have a random question. I like that. I like the brand-new Mustang Bice out, the Fastback. Mm-hmm. What's the, like, uh, what have you been seeing on there that could be problematic? 
Now, w- which car was it? The uh, Ford Mustang. Oh, okay, the, the Mustang GT with the five liter. Yeah, the only thing that I've heard is the the blind spot is a lot bigger in it because of the yeah. way that roof is shaped. I mean, Ford has had some trouble with the, yeah. the turbos dropping yeah. a blade and, and grenade going through the engine. Yeah, I gotta say. Personally, Percy, I am not fond of the Ford products. Anything I, they're building from either. about 08 or 09 up, we just see a lot of air conditioning problems with them across the board. And somebody's got one that it never had a problem. They love it, and that's fine. Yeah. But I got to say, overall, we do more very expensive repairs on Fords at what I consider much lower mileage. A lot of them have transmission problems, particularly some of the six speeds where the valve bodies wear out on them. I'm mm-hmm. just not a big Ford fan. I mean, I used to be years ago when i thought they were building a good product but i think they came through that bankruptcy thing probably worse than the yeah. rest of them and i'm not real crazy about any of the domestic makers but ford seems to have more problems than the rest of them in my opinion in they, my experience they have a different way of doing things than than most uh manufacturers do so you got to have a special learning curve when you start working on them mm-hmm. I, I mean, just, it's just, we went to a training class the other day, and the guy says, this works on everything but Ford. Yeah. On Ford, you got to do this. You know? <laughs> so it's just one of those things that you just got to check into, you know, before you jump yeah, into Yeah, I mean, one. if that's the car you love and, and that's what you want, I mean, yeah, nothing I mean, insurmountable. Right. But I have seen more problems at lower mileage, engines, transmissions, air conditioning, big yeah. stuff, than I do with some of the other cars. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. All righty. All right, man. Thanks, Percy. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You're a part of the Automotive Hour. We'd love to have you. We're going to go ahead and take our last quick little break, but we will be right back with a whole lot more. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah, I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call, 291 6901. And we're going back to our line with Randy. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Mr. Aldazan. Yes, sir. I've got a three-cylinder diesel. Okay, it's, it's not in a car. Uh-huh. It's in a generator. It's on a generator. Okay, sir. I changed the filters, and I cranked it and ran it for it ran for about five minutes and shut off. Hmm. Like it's not getting the fuel. Yeah, probably introduce some air into the system. The way the fuel system—I'm not a diesel expert, but the way the fuel system works on most of them is it's like a hydraulic system. It can't have any air in it. So there's normally a bleeding procedure of some sort. And what happens when you use all the fuel that was in the filter and in the injectors, it probably, there's some air in there, so it won't draw out of the lift pump anymore. You're going to have to find 
some service data on that particular vehicle, or excuse me, that particular generator, and find out how the, there's going to be some sort of a bleeding procedure where you, you need to probably bleed that system to get the air out of it. But that's the most common thing. You know, diesel just takes so little to run. I mean, yeah, there's no spark lot. or any of that. Basically, if you get fuel, it's got compression, so it's going to run. Right. And that's just about the only thing. I mean, I know on the, on some of the Ford trucks, when you change the fuel filter, you have to re-bleed the system out mm-hmm. because you've introduced air when you change the filter. Right. And it gets trapped up in there somewhere, and then it will it breaks the hydraulic system up so it, it can't operate any longer. But I'm sure that you could probably call the manufacturer and just ask if there's a service manual for it or, or probably go Maybe, online and find say, something. There's going to be some type of bleeding procedure to get the air out of that. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All righty. Have a good day. Thanks, Thank sir. you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. And there you go. We'll take any type of automotive engine question or you got. Or non-automotive. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, a lot of folks have generators sure. or tillers or small engines small right. engines of all sorts and while that's not our main forte we can at least point you in the right direction we well i mean that's that's where you start pretty much when you when you start learning to be a technician you that's start on much small stuff put you on little stuff and you work your work way up, up. <laughs> except me i started out on the lead sleds man <laughs> <laughs> you know the cars that i started out working on the hood weighed more than an entire car today oh i know I was walking through the French Quarter this morning, going to the parking garage, and the New Orleans police, the 7th Precinct there in the quarter, has two little smart cars. Really? And they've got them backed against the curve, and they're the same length as a regular car is wide. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, you know, the hubcap off a 69 Buick Electra 225 weighed more than that car. (laughs) That's for a fact. That's for but, a fact. Yeah, they, they work real well down there because well, yeah, they, they gotta, get in out of those little narrow streets, and uh, yep. they do. I well, mean, if they car. have to affect an arrest, I guess they call someone a big car, squad car. Sure. They don't try to imprison anybody in that. Well, and, and it's a lot cleaner than using a horse. That's right. Yeah, well, they, they do use a lot of horses down there yeah. as well, but, of course, you have the problem with the uh, emissions from, <laughs> <laughs> from a horse. Yeah. Emission systems on the horses <laughs> that uh, are not pleasant in every circumstance but, right uh, there's a reason we got away from horses yeah <laughs> there is now you got smart cars there you go that's exactly <laughs> right so you know we had a question from a caller a little earlier where we were talking about introducing a check engine light by unplugging something uh-huh. and he made the question will the light go off on its own and in some cases some codes do reset on some vehicles other vehicles do not reset so it's very, very confusing. You know, check engine lights, I know we don't have enough time to get into it in depth today, but we're going to talk about it more maybe next week. But okay. Check engine lights are very, very confusing because they come on, and just about the time you make an appointment and you get ready, well, then they go off. And I've had folks call and cancel their appointment because the light went off. Right. And generally, I advise them, don't do that. It's, it's just off for now. It's coming right back on. Well, but it's off. Okay, well, do what you want to do. But it but will be back it on. It will be back, and then you're going to have to make another appointment and so on. But what happens, vehicles have what they call drive cycles. Which is every time the key is cycled. Right. When you turn the key off to on and start the engine, and that's called a drive cycle. Now, in each drive cycle, it's a new world for that computer. Sure. And it has to execute upwards of 2,000 tests on this car. And it attempts to do that during every drive cycle, but it cannot get to everyone during every drive cycle. Well, some of the criteria may not be there. If the criteria are not right, for instance, the evaporative emissions test requires less than three-quarters of a tank of fuel. But 
more, more than, than one quarter. quarter of a tank of fuel. So it has to be somewhere around mid-tank. Now, if you crank the car up, new drive cycle, and you've got less than a quarter of a tank of gas, it's not going to run that test. It's going to abort it because the criteria is not right. You do that two or three times, the light may go back off because it's not running the test. It's not sure. executing. You fill the tank. Again, it may not come on because now the tank is full. Right. Gets three-quarter tank, wham, light comes right back on. The problem is not fixed. It's just not executing the test. To turn the light back on. Now, when you disconnect the battery, you clear all of the readiness tests out. You clear the codes out, but you also clear all the readiness tests out. And you also clear all the information. All the service data that, that the set the light needed to fix the problem. Now, this is the kicker. What happens is that it starts trying to re- test these parameters right the first one that fails the light comes on well that's one code but prior to you disconnecting the battery there might have been four codes sure in there different totally different things you bring the car to the shop they test it they fix the code that's in there now uh-huh however you drive the car as another readiness test completes which is maybe two days later light comes back on now you're mad at them well guess what you can't be mad at them because you caused this problem well and you only got one light I mean, if, if there was a separate light for each test it ran, it yeah, would be a lot better 2,000 lights on system, a dash. But there you go. You'd have 2,000 lights on a dash, right. and that's why they only use one. There's only one light, but there's 2,000 problems. So when the light comes back on, it does not mean you've got the same problem. I know it's doing the same thing, right? which is the light is the on. The light's on. It's sort of like with air conditioning. We hear this a lot. Well, it's doing the same thing. Well, anything that goes wrong, it's going to quit cooling. Sure. If the blower motor goes out, it's going to quit, quit cooling. cooling. If the belt breaks, it's going to quit cooling. If the compressor fails, it's going to quit cooling. If you get a hole in the condenser, it's going to quit cooling. So the symptom will always be the same. Right. Even though these are all totally different problems. But the thing with the check engine light is it's going to set a code. That's right. That code should be processed on the receipt. It should be written the on the receipt so you know what was treated. So next time the light comes on, you can pull the code. If it's the same code, then you're back to, then the, same you're back area. to the same area. But if it's a different code... Then you can say, you've yeah. got a different well, problem a here. a classic example of that is a P0300 misfire code. Very, very often you'll get a misfire code. And when you repair the misfire code, because of the misfires, the catalytic converter will fail almost immediately thereafter. Uh-huh. Every time that engine misfired, a charge of gas went into that converter. It overheated it, and it took it out. So right now we've got a misfire code. We replace the spark plug or whatever, whatever was plug wire, coil, whatever was bad that was causing that. Not at all unusual two weeks later, three weeks, a month later, light pops back on. Well, it's doing the same thing. No, it's not doing the same thing. Your light's back the on. The light's back on. And now you got a P420, which is a bad catalytic converter because you drove it around with the misfire. Right. So just a little bit. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. That we will. That'll at least give you some, some something heads to up. think about. <laughs> Get your questions ready. There, there you, you go. go. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour? I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, mm-hmm. whether it be Stitcher or iTunes or Podbean or Whichever. whatever it may there, be. There's dozens of them out there. They all have a written review. Please fill that out for us. That's right. You guys have been just wonderful about doing that. We've got so many good reviews now, but we can always use more. So keep us at the top of the list. There you go. That's exactly what we're begging for (laughs) (laughs) hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend